Do you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Round one was a weekend to forget. For many teams and tipsters, I was definitely one of them. But like nine of the teams from round one, the man next to me is smiling because he is currently leading the 2019 What Are The Odds tipping competition. So congratulations, Beryl. Now the question on everyone's lips, was it luck or was it skill? Uh, skill, and there was one game with a bit of luck that I went with my heart, which you tried to talk me out of last week, but I still went with it, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, the old Bulldogs getting over the swans and the rest, you'll, we'll call skill, but that weekend was pretty much just luck. Let's be honest, let's be fair. Oh yeah, a lot of people would have been happy with getting four or five, I reckon. Yep, Not absolutely. many people would have got more than three or four. It was, uh, it was a stinker. You used to call me on my cell phone night when you need Speaking of stinkers, we'll go straight into it, Barrel. We'll get you on the blower. Now, you came to me early throughout the round telling me that there's some teams that need to go on blast. Yeah. Now, that's fair. That's reasonable. They need to cop their spray. But I think they have. And that's very mainstream areas. Just giving them a blast, telling them that they're weak like Brownie does on a, on the couch, saying they have no leaders. Doing a doing a kingy and saying they're they're soft in the guts or whatever. All these football cliches that ex players use to try and tell us that they're no good but not explain why. But I'm backing you in here to be an X's and O's man. I'm backing you in here to be a stats man. And I'm, I, you can be passionate and you can be disgusted or upset by certain performances. Yep. But uh, let's give the people what they want. Let's give them some some real facts and whether or not this is going to be an over an overreaction or just uh, this normal trend for these teams about to talk about. And the first is, unfortunately, your boys. Friday night. Yep. Bucks came out and said that they were just soft in the midfield. Do you want to do the hard work? Do you want to roll up the sleeves? Is that is that true? Is there anything else there? Is there any X and O's to break down? Or was it simply just, oi, you pretty boys? Time to get those faces dirty. They smashed us in the midfield. You're right. They, they beat us in clearances, contested positions, tackles... Uh, yeah, it pretty much bears in everything inside 50s they smashed us in as well they just absolutely dominated us and what they probably we had you know we played pretty well in the second quarter and third quarter probably put away opportunities especially in that second but one thing that they did change was they did lower their eyes a lot better against us and use their foot skills and they picked apart our defence that was uh, it wasn't it wasn't their fault again because it's hard to stop the ball at the moment and with the new 6-6 and all that it's hard to stop you know, one-on-ones when they've got that much space, especially when the midfield's on top like they were. Kelly had a great game. Constable was awesome. Uh, you know, they had they had players outside of dangerous, so would, you know, those sorts of blokes mm. that generally carry this team stepping up, and that's what they need to happen all year. They need these young blokes to continually stand up. And you think about it, and Tomahawk came into the game and got on top. They, they, just, they were better than us in every aspect, and we, we really did, cost ourselves in front of goal like I said early but to be fair you know they still had more scoring shots than us and more inside 50 so we're probably pretty lucky only get away with a 7 point loss and I think that going forward for us we had a few blokes that probably weren't 100% and there's a lot of other teams in the comp that paid the price for that this week we did mention that lastly we did say that the teams that definitely finished in the top 4 went through the prelims would be excused for taking this as another bye week another JLT game yeah. 
and it did look a little bit that way. But I suppose the concerning things are the skill areas. There are a lot of turnovers for a, for a Bucks coach team that's usually pretty tight on skills. And that, yeah, skills slash decision-making, that was exemplified by the last kick of the game, essentially getting it to, to danger, a dangerous yeah, inside kick when you yeah. could go down the so line. He's barely played, uh, Degoe's barely played. Uh, even Benji, to a certain extent, you know, he's had a pretty light pre-season. So, yeah, we definitely carried a few. Grundy got absolutely monstered by Reece Stanley, which I thought that would have been a massive strong point for us, mm. which we went over last week. Is that rectifiable, or do we think that... do Because that wasn't a single event. I think most of the rucks we thought would dominate didn't. Yeah, Gorney got done over as well. So, is it now... Is the extra space in that 6-6-6 format actually an advantage just to mids? And it won't be the year of the ruck. It'll be more of the going back to your power midfields of the early 2000s, where those are the units that drive teams even more so than what it usually is. Because it is a midfielder's game, essentially. I think definitely Grundy, when he, got, he did have some good periods in that second, third quarter, where his tap work was amazing and he looked dangerous. Maybe he was a bit cooked. Uh, maybe himself, you know, he did have an interrupted preseason with a toe injury, thanks to Jordan Ruffhead. So maybe, yeah, going forward, he might need that the extra run in his league as well. And Out there, all these people saying, you know, you're going zero on two because obviously got Richmond this week. Well, the last five years, we've had three teams, you know, make the finals going on two. And you flip side that, there's been a lot of teams going two and oh and not made finals as well. And you know, We'll get to that because I did say I have my hot take for the week last week and we'll get to that in uh, due time. So you seem pretty upbeat about the, about the, about the pies. You seem to think that it's not going to be all doom and gloom which is fair enough it's round one it's round it's not, one it's yeah. not, you can't just, react to round one just relax and as all the uh, pundits and all the professional pundits the mainstream media pundits out there have said that uh, some losses are excusable and some aren't and Geelong played well credit to them they are if you believe their own in-house hype and the hype of certain other people in the media yeah. a team that could finish top four they could also finish outside the eight it's that it's that list profile and a couple of injuries that may worry them but sometimes you get beaten by a good, better team and perhaps you did Perhaps. Perhaps at this point in time, we got beaten by a better team. Yeah. All right. See so yeah, good day around 23. One that was very surprising. We got off that bandwagon. We were on it last year. I was the conductor. You were the driver. And we said, no, nah, we're not moving to electric trains. We're getting off. Yep. Port power, no good. Round one, they come up and they say, oh, everyone who wasn't on the bandwagon, stay off. We don't want you. We don't need you. Melbourne, opposite. We jumped off that bandwagon long ago. And at the end of last season, we said, you know what? These guys look legit. They got rolled in a prelim. We went, no, nah, that's all about big growth. It's going to be about development. It's going to be about taking that next step. And they come out like they didn't even... Like, they won that first quarter and they went, oh, let's, let's start. They replaced... They drank some bark water at quarter time. That's the only thing I can think of. And that's not very analytical, I know. But I don't know how else you excuse what happened after quarter time. They got beaten the same way they usually get beaten is they all got sucked into the contest too much mm. and they got done with speed on the outside. They lack speed. Mm. They lack a lot of speed. They went in again with players on the done. And yeah, you, you watch any of the highlights, they got sucked into the contest again and, and Port only allowed one or two blocks to go to that contest. If they won the footy, they had players on the outside. If they won the footy, they were done. What like Connell did them last year on Queen's birthday. I think Port went to school on that a bit. You think Melbourne would have changed it a little bit, but they didn't. Uh, yeah, like I said, they got blokes on the done there, probably four lines in his dynamic. Uh, does Jordan Lewis come back in? I don't really think he does because, again, he doesn't add that speed. Port looked good. You know, they played on a lot. They marked and played on straight. They played really quick. Which is not very feet. Ken Hinckley. The last no. couple of years of Ken Hinckley has been very, as I said last week, Ross Lyon-esque. He's Ross Lyon 2.0 and both, this week, both of them yeah. flicked the switch and went, nah. 
And I think that's them realising, and, you know, credit to them, they are good coaches when you look at their records, like week-to-week win-loss records. They know how to win games. And they've clearly seen that 6-6-6 is an outside-type game now. If you get the, if yep. you dominate clearances, get on the outside, you'll make teams pay with one-on-ones inside 50. Yep. And that's what both those sides did, but especially Port. And then even more so is you know that if they're only going to play one ruck, and it's round one, and he's not... All reports, he doesn't train the house down. Yeah. Well, doesn't he have to come into this season looking looking exactly like he's going to run around and better keep up with blokes for the full minutes. But they didn't have a, didn't have a second ruck. They worked him over... And he got found out. Yeah. Well, the last three games he's played, the teams have done the same thing to him, and he's been ineffective. So he's got to he's got to lift here. He's got to get over like what JJ did, and a few other players have had copped it in the in the past few years. Sloan last year as well. Wear it, cop it, work harder, move on, Matt, because yeah. you're going to cop it this week as well. And I'm not not giving up on Melbourne yet. It is only round one, uh, but they are very close to just getting the axe full stop. And for Port, remember they won the first three games last year, so let's just not... Let's just the only difference I have in why I'm a bit bullish on Port now is because of the way they won it. So last year they won dirty games. They were, they were Melbourne-esque side. They were a dirty inside team, which is how it was, it was... That's why we brought in these new rules, because lots of teams were playing dirty inside football, and they've been good enough in the off-season to do what they said they were going to do last off-season. The, the difference with Port this week was that they put Broken, Rockcliffe and those sorts of blokes in the midfield and played a lot of midfield time. Mm. Instead of playing forward, obviously they're fit enough and they feel like they can do that. And it's probably a lesson that Kennedy needed to. He obviously learnt and has done, and they've been successful. I hope uh, we'll obviously talk about it a bit later. But I hope uh, John Longmire has also watched what Hinkley did, and uh, hopefully he starts putting his guns in the midfield too. Talking about coaching decisions before we move on to the next game, Simon Goodwin only played the one ruck. He brought in Pruce in the off season. Was that an error of judgment? Uh, yeah, if, if teams are going to play two ruckmen, I think the opposition almost, unless they've got an absolute elite ruckman or a very, very good player who can back up ruck, if so, they have Lysett and Ryder, they're, they're you know, top grade ruckmen, they're top five, ten ruckmen in the comp. I know Lysett probably doesn't have the profile in Victoria's uh, Ryder does because he's played for West Coast now, Port. If he's a good ruckman, he gets forward, he's dangerous. You almost need to match him or have, like I said, a very good second. So Colin would have Grundy. Cox is a backup ruckman. Mm. We're, we're fine. But if you're going to go in with just Gorn or just the Nank and not have a backup, then you, you, you're going to get found you, out. You could get found out, especially I think the games are going to be quicker this year because of the 666. So. And the strange thing is, uh, Goodwin said in his post match, oh, Port does this to us all the time. And they have. They've had a pretty good record against Melbourne and a very good record against Gorn. And they, because they bully him and they, they nibble him off the ball and they. And they bash him around a bit, whether it's legal or illegal. Well, you get found out. You get a week if you get a week. But they got yeah. the four points, which is probably the most important thing for them. Yeah. What I don't understand is if you say that afterwards that you saw it coming, why don't you pick the two ruckmen? Just or, a very strange thing. Or w- work on things. Of, so or alleviate that. Yeah. Or, yeah, play a completely different type of game style and adapt to port. You know what is coming. A lot of other teams want to play type, like type one football, their brand of football, our brand. But if you know it's coming and you know you've lost to it before... You can then make the slight adjustments to make it work. You probably should... Yeah, probably should adjust. Adelaide's lost to Hawthorne. Yeah. Adelaide love hype. I don't think they actually are very good with it, though. They're, they're in big trouble. No dirty. Their back line looks pretty ordinary all of a sudden. Uh, lack of pace, a lot of big bodies. And no Douglas means lack of midfield depth. I don't really think they've got a lot of midfield depth apart from the top three or four. And you need... You and need... we said last week, they're actually... Not too bad on the inside. 
Yeah, outside. They've got no speed. So got, Seedsman's But they got smashed in contested ball. Yeah. Hawthorne played dirty football last year's version of football and won convincingly. They out-tackled and they out-contested ball one. And they don't even have Tom Mitchell. You'd expect that from a Tom Mitchell-led Hawthorne side. Said Warple, an absolute kid comes in against big-bodied senior veterans of the AFL, makes him look silly. Yeah. And you got uh, Alistair Bilicek, Clarkson, just uh, doing what he keeps doing. I, I still, I still have my doubts about Hawthorne, and I'm still, you know, I'm happy for them to prove it wrong. But I still don't think long as we go into the season. That's what I'm about to say about Port, and you know, even to a certain extent, Geelong. They're playing a lot of young kids, like first-year players, first, second-year players that. The workloads catch up. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and you've seen we've seen this. We'll talk about it again probably a bit more Gold Coast, but Gold Coast won their first two or three last year as well. Mm. They dropped off. You see Carlton the last few years being competitive first half of the season, drop off those sorts of things, and other teams are very similar in that young like Brisbane as well. They'll, they'll hit peaks early because they're fresh and everything. But as soon as the season starts to get a bit long, they start getting a few niggles. These one to two to three year players they drop off a bit quicker because. Yeah, and you see that in all your strength conditioning research, players have you have to learn how to deal with recovery factors whilst in a game. So your, your veterans know that I will go into this game feeling like eighty percent. Yeah, eighty percent comes becomes a hundred percent. That's that's where I'll get to, and if I get to that pregame, I know I'm good to go, and I'll go and get whatever my baseline is. Yeah, but the kids go in there at a hundred percent or ninety seven percent or ninety six percent, but then by the time it gets to round twelve. They've never done a full preseason because you don't do it as a draftee. Yeah. And you don't even really get there until your last three years in, a, in an AFL system. And then you go, oh, no, I'm not. I don't feel 100% because yep. you're not going to. As and soon as you get to halfway through the season, you're never going to get there. And the opposition clubs will start doing their homework on some players. Mm. Like, you know, Jaden Stephenson struggled a little bit far and It's because Geelong now know what he's about. And then probably you now have a change of role because uh, Jamie Elliott and the goey down there is probably going to be that play as close to home as he did. So... Yeah, it's a bit tougher on the young boys once they get five or six rounds in. Are we completely out on Adelaide because their list I'll, has been bigged up to be this big thing? Their big falls back up front. We'll go Can th- they fix it? We'll go through the game this week, and I'm telling you right now, if they don't win this week or get close, Axing. they're in some trouble. So we're not overacting in round one, but round two. They're, get ready for some absolute overreactions. Yep. All right, Essendon has lost to GWS now. Again, I've mentioned hype because that's what it, that's what all there is in the preseason is hype. But one team that was hyped up more than any other team is this team, and the one team that acknowledged it in the post match was this team, Essendon. Wusher came out afterwards and said the hype didn't affect us. If the hype didn't affect you, PR one hundred and one, don't mention the hype, even to dismiss it in your post match presser. Because as soon as you mention it, everyone knows you were thinking about it. You were thinking about backing up and you were thinking about the SEN callback radio listeners will be like, every year you let us down in round one, Wush has got to go. It's obviously in his head, if no one else's. And uh, I don't even think stats do this one justice, but they got beaten everywhere. Like, there's no point in looking at the stats. It's not a stat that they won. They were on top for the first quarter and they couldn't kick straight. Because I'm going to interrupt went. here. Yeah. They're with North. Oh, you're putting them in the cone? Yeah, they're in the cone. Oh, that's why I'm saying it. You're just putting them straight in the cone? Don't want to talk about them. All right. They're, they're, every media out there has done enough. They're lucky they're playing a pretty ordinary team this week. Yeah, fair enough. But if they don't win this week, they're staying in there. Oh, wow. Oh, well, if you're listening, we'll shout you are, obviously. You listen to everything. Uh, good luck. And yes, <laughs> North. Silence
previews for round two. Same format as last week. Upset alerts, sure things, and 50-50 picks. Now, my first upset alert is Saturday night. Geelong versus Melbourne. Geelong are paying $1.55 as home favourites. Melbourne, $2.34. They're actually getting apart. The line here is 9.5. The over-under are pretty low, 170. Geelong came from behind to beat your blokes last week, where uh, Simon Goodwin cited off-season surgeries and the superb opponents that are Port Adelaide as their excuse for a dour 26-point loss. And uh, obviously last time these two teams met, Melbourne uh, had their triumphant finals victory that broke the uh, long, long drought for the guys with the cheese board supporters. My first question is, do we think that Cadinia is still a fortress? After Geelong's performance last week, do we mean that that's their baseline standard? They're going to go and just win their 11 games at home like they always do every year? I don't think it is, no. So... Looking for some upside here at Melbourne. The value is definitely there at the two dollars thirty-six. They, they got close. They, they nearly beat them last year, didn't they? Or they did beat them yep, by was, a kick. Yeah, it was no, with a they, kick. They lost, they lost after, by a kick. kick after the siren. Zach Tui. You can, you can find me on Facebook going off my chop because I made a lot of money on that game. Yeah, um, I don't know if Melbourne can get any better from what they've got. Obviously, they've got players that are a bit underdone that you know get another game to them. Steve May uh, comes in. Uh, Kate Collar Jasmine might come in and oh, like I said does, does Jordan Lewis come back in I don't know does Viney have another week off and go back to the VFL where he can get some more match fitness Geelong on the other hand like, I don't think they'll make many changes like, they were pretty good on the weekend mm. I, I, maybe Quinton Narkle might come in but I think they're pretty pretty set with what they had they had no real injuries um, and I think Zach Tui is probably another week or two away oh. What do you what do you reckon? Because can think, Melbourne keep this game on the inside? Well, can they go? Can they go back to being well, dirty inside? It's a small and narrow ground, so it does suit them. This is why we tipped them, or well, I tipped Melbourne mm. last year in Shillong. I think that on that sort of ground, it, it suits their style of footy. It's, it's going to be congested. It's going to be tight. They probably don't have the tall targets down down forward as they did. You know, you've got Weedering and stuff like that down there, but not um, sorry Weederman down there, but not. Uh, I don't have Hogan anymore or thing like that. No. Also got Whitman did stand up last time when they played him in the elimination final. Yeah. They've got T Mac. Yep. They've got enough. Geelong's defence is is a smallish defence. And the tools that are there, your Harry Tails and stuff, you think are liabilities. Yeah. Oh, I still think Harry Tails is a massive liability. Like you played alright last week, don't Mids you? Mids V mids. And they're about the same, aren't they? Is any is there any real smooth I reckon they're is any really smooth field. movers for Geelong? Because that's how they're going to get beaten, I reckon, is if they can win, somehow Reece Stanley backs up and dominates Gorn, and then their clearances, most of their clearances are, you know, Petey Dangerfield bursting out of the pack and then just banging on the boot. I reckon, I reckon you look at Petraka, Viney, Jones, Oliver, If and I know Jones and um, Viney aren't 100% fit, but I reckon their midfield is more dynamic and more dangerous, and they kick more goals than the Geelong midfielder, apart from probably Danger. Mm. So I reckon their midfield's better, their ruckman's better. Their four-line, back-line contest probably even at both ends, especially when you got you know, May coming in. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably am gonna tip Melbourne, which is hard for me to say because I'm tipping two weeks in a row, and that's why if they let me down two weeks in a row, I, I, I gave them a massive spray last year, and I jumped off them, and I copped it on Twitter when I did jump off them, and gave them a couple of whacks when they went to West Coast. But I'll tell you what, Melbourne, you haven't seen nothing yet if you lose this week after I tip you. So two reasons why I like Melbourne a lot. One is 
Last year, they proved to have really good bounce-back ability. They didn't lose many, many massive chunks of games. They did lose a couple back-to-back, but their longest losing streak was three. They lost two in a row once, and other than that, they every time they lost, they bounced back, and they had massive win streaks. That's why they made finals. That's why they almost pushed to the four. They are a very good side on paper, and they proved, and not a lot of the squads changed. So it's there. It should be there, and it should be coming soon. They also lost their first game last year and won the next one. So yep. I think... They, they like to build into a season. That must be the way that they get their strength and conditioning system sorted. The second one is Geelong's a slow, methodical team. And that's what, that's what beat Collingwood on Friday night. Yeah, they're using the yeah. very good with their ball movement, and we couldn't, we couldn't stop it. Melbourne are good against those sides because they get to play dirty inside ball. Port smashed them because they went quick. And the teams that do beat Melbourne are the ones that go quick. Yep. On, the, on, the, on the rebound, they go direct, they go aggressive, they go hard, they go for goal. Real route one football. And Geelong won't do that. They'll be methodical, they'll be slow, they'll be assured. And that, that will play in Melbourne's hands. So I'm all about Melbourne in this. I will explode if they lose. I'll be tipping Melbourne, but I'll be looking at unders in this game. I'm not sure what the unders are because I know it's very early in the week. It's 170-ish, I think, isn't it? Yeah, 170 at the moment. I'll be looking at unders in that game. Right. You, you, you see Geelong don't score heavily. And certainly not at Cadinia. When they win as well. Yeah. They always keep it tight. They're an ultra-defensive team. So I'll be looking at under 170. It's probably, probably the safer bet than Melbourne head-to-head, but still Melbourne at the day is good, good to go. Yeah, I'm definitely going Melbourne at the head-to-head. $2.34. All of the narrative plays into this. They lost their heartbreakingly last time. They beat them in a the final. They have a point to prove. The pressure will be on them. People like me are saying they're drinking their own bathwater. Take the value... $2.34 upset of the round. Saturday afternoon, I've penciled this in as an upset. Maybe it's a bit tongue-in-cheek. Maybe I'm being serious. Essendon fans, I'll let you know at the end of the pod. Essendon, $1.28 favourites against St Kilda. $3.45 outsiders at the MCG. The line here is 22.5, over under 180 points. There's no chance in hell Essendon loses St Kilda. They got beaten by 72 points last week. There's no chance in hell. I watched St Kilda play. I watched it and I watched them play Gold Coast. I was there, mate. Gold Coast. And that first that first 10 minutes. Okay. So they're not it's not going to happen. It was a bit of a tongue in cheek thing. And this is why. In the first 10 minutes, I saw a pass to play for St Kilda. They get the ball on a on a classic J route. So they get the clearance. Yippity yah, we're out. We're out. Handball chain. One goes out. Second one goes out to the next the next channel. Third one the guy has to run on the outside of the boundary line to get around the bloke to get forward to try and either block a man, block some space, or try and get forward to take the mark. And the St Kilda bloke shoots himself and handles it out of bounds to the bloke who is running out of bounds. Yeah, they're, they're, they're ordinary. And I'll tell you what, if Essendon do lose St Kilda, I wish I might well pack his bags and start leaving and go Oh, home. it would be... The SEN Essendon listeners will be just at his door. It'll be burnt down by, one, by Monday morning. One of the good things about Essendon was uh, Parker, the uh, young lad from the Waffle. Uh, pretty sure he's from the same team as uh, Kelly from Geelong. He, he's inspired by Kelly, got his shit together. You know, he's had some issues as, as a young fella and watching him play and what some of the things he did, he is going to be one of the... Uh, if he could continue that... Watch him explode on the AFL scene as a cult figure. Not just for St Kilda fans, but for AFL people. Like, I literally watched the game just to see what else he could do. Mm. And you could and watching him live, it was amazing. And it was literally that moment there with my brother, and we were like, "Oh, who's that bloke? Come out here and kick two goals, bang bang!" And we're like, "That is definitely a bloke you'd come watch this game for." And he basically paid for the price of admission, which was nice because it wasn't a great game. 
So obviously tipping Essendon in this one. Is there any plays here or just stay away, don't watch it, don't worry about it? Put it in the cone. It's in the cone. Both teams, well, there's three teams in the cone and two of these are in it. My second actual upset alert is uh, Sunday afternoon. Hawthorne are playing $1.40 versus the Western Bulldogs. $2.82 outsiders. Again at the MCG. The line here is 16 and the over-under 177. Now, we just said before in our Adelaide wrap-up, you cannot go against Mr. Alistair Belichick-Clarkson. But we do think that team overperformed on the weekend or performed to the best of their abilities under a very good coaching strategy. Yep. Bulldogs came out and looked amazing. They looked electric. They looked back to their kind of, you know, 16 utility player best type thing. They made a really, like, sluggish Sydney midfield look as slow as they actually are. Literally, and some of the... Uh, it was Jonathan Brown called the best young uh, key tall in the game in Norton. The best young key tall. Jonathan Brown's probably hunting for a headline there, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon too. But anyway. But their midfield is legitimately... Their, their mid, middle three with Hunter McRae and Bond yeah, is probably one of the best threes in the continent. It is, yes. So I'm very bullish on the Bulldogs, pun intended. Uh, do we think that they can back up their Sydney performance against Hawthorne and Clarkson? No. It's at the G, that's why. That's the only, it? That's the only reason. I just think that Hawthorne play the MCG so well. They've got this... Obviously, the game plan that Clarkson puts in is set for the G. They play it really well. They'll be 2-0 after this. I'll be definitely under 177 because I just can't see the Doggies scoring enough goals, having enough firepower up forward. Yes, Norton did it last week, but you know he's a young man and he's still got a lot of learning to do and he probably need to go back as well. And I think Sicily will have a field day. If I... So in all seriousness, under it and look at what Sicily's playing for 25 disposals because I reckon he could, uh, with Gowers and Shucky down there, he's going to have an absolute field day. Yep. And I think, especially with McAvoy having such a good performance in the ruck, both on the weekend, he absolutely tore the house down. Yep. Kicking goals, doing things that we think, we probably thought last season he was a bit overrated, not in that elite four, elite five rucks. Came out and proved everyone wrong. And he came out and improved he had the tank to survive a 6-6-6 environment as well. So that's a huge advantage against, again, a side that's either going to play Tim English or no ruck. Yeah. They'll, so, they'll play English again, I they? They yeah. just have to. But I just think the way Hawthorne play the G, the way that their style is, will just undo the dogs. Yeah, the doggies will have no chance. Yeah, especially I'll, after Hawthorne committed to playing that dirty inside ball last, yeah. last week against Adelaide. It proves that they've gone, we can't play Hollywood without Mitchell, let's go to plan B. And we all know that Clarkson has planned C, D, E, F, G, It'll be a very H. defensive, low-scoring game. Yeah. And I think it's going to rain a bit on Saturday as well, if that's on Saturday. So take the unders. Sunday, sorry. And uh, tip the Hawks. All right, on to the sure things, which after last week, I'm very, very scared and actually calling anything a sure thing. But Saturday evening, Port Adelaide are seventeen favourites versus Carlton at the Adelaide Oval. If anything's a sure thing this week, this has to be it. The line here is uh, five goals, the over-under 170. The only thing I'm concerned about is Hinkley came out of the presser and said that last week's win was his best win ever as a coach. And he's won finals before. So that's a bit concerning. It's a bit like, oh, we're there. And it's round one. And against the Melbourne side that didn't show up for three quarters. Yeah. So we and we do we do have that warning signal last year. And no, it's not very scientific, but it has the numbers to back it up. That the teams get a bit ahead of themselves on Media Street yep. and get a bit too lovey dovey and a bit too oh how good are we drop off pretty quickly. Well, what about Bolton coming out saying how much he loves his players? 
Well, I, that's his style, though. So maybe it's going to just nullify each other out. Uh, I, I'm actually worried about Carlton. And I said this last week, and I copped a bit of shit off a close friend of ours, Randy, especially with Collingwood boss. But, I mean, obviously, wasn't happy with Collingwood. I've gone through that. But they still only scored, what, 10 goals? Everyone everyone raved about that middle middle quarter performance. But Rich- middle two-quarter performances. And they just... and they. They didn't play against anyone. Richmond took the foot off. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be brutally honest and you take the rose-colored glasses off and say that this list is going to be... They're improving in their young... Sure. But they didn't compete against anyone. No. Literally, after the first quarter, where some for some reason, uh, Carlton decided to have an extra at the, at the contest, an extra at the midfield, which allowed you know Richmond to have their one behind the footy, which is... I don't know why any 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 team in the land, that's especially in Carlton's situation, would even think about that because there's just easy pickings and that's why Richmond did what they did and then they, they even that up a bit and Richmond obviously already you know seven goals up at quarter time in round one thinking well this is one we've got 25 26 more weeks of footy left yeah we we're going to try and avoid what did happen and have one of our key players get injured and Harvick then tried you know a few little trick plays with uh, you know Preston starting at the half back and um, Grimes on a wing and then someone else forward and then after the centre bounce, pressure went to midfield. Grimes went back, and then someone on the wing. It was just all like throwing players around like that at every centre bounce for the six six six, and just you know seeing what he could do. JLT sort of stuff. Carlton, you know, every time Carlton got within two or three goals, Richmond just kicked the next two or three, put it back out again, went through motions. Yes, they got some very young, very talented players. Carlton, don't get me wrong. Is the game style holding up? Are they going to score goals? Like, you know, Harry McKay played really well, but Kerno was pretty quiet. And again. He's a young player learning the craft. Yeah. I don't know whether you know you can keep playing blokes like Ed Kerner who then deliver the ball into the line. You know, he butchered it a lot. Never been known for his kicking. Always been known for his elite running. Phillips, yeah, he had a good game. He was okay, but Nate kicked three goals, and Nate was one of the top scoring players in Supercoach. I know it's not a good guideline stuff like that, but Nate actually dominated Phillips, and he's a 28, 29-year-old ruckman who's been in the game a long time, yeah. in the system a long time. He's their number one ruck at the moment. Against Ryder, Lysett, who were going well. Or even more than Bidfield, you look at who they've got there. We, we just bigged up Rockcliffe, Boak, and Power Pepper in our chat about their massive win over Melbourne. All Carlton have as a big body in the midfield is Cripps, and then they have youngsters. Yep. They're going to get smushed. In the mids. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, they can't replace anyone because all their blokes they can replace them with are pretty much young blokes as well. So, you know, Cruiser and Kennedy might get up. But they haven't played much footy, so they come back through VFL. But again, they're going to be underdone coming in. I actually feel this might be a blowout. So I was thinking that, and I think, is this actually a bigger litmus test for Port Adelaide than what last week was? Because last week was the emotional win on Believingness. One of our boys went through a rough, rough off season yeah. against his old club. They got to back it up. And so my angle here isn't to take the line because I think it could be like a bit like Richmond, where they might come out hard, take the foot off, and then come home hard. I'm expecting them to come home hard to definitely get a bigish win, your 30 ish points. So Port Adelaide to win the fourth by eight and a half, paying you dollar ninety. That's the line. I reckon that's a good angle here and probably the safest bet because I'm not trusting them to go. 72 points or anything like that yeah. and I'd be looking at score marks for Carlton because I reckon you could probably stake out under 60 in between 60 and 72 or whatever it is and be pretty comfortable that they won't they'll struggle to kick 12 goals my next short thing is Sunday Twilight Gold Coast are hosting Fremantle Gold Coast are $4 home underdogs 
against the now high-scoring excitement highlight reel that is the Fremantle Dockers paying $1.22. They're playing at Metricon Park, obviously, and the line here is 26 points. The over-under, a fairly high for a Gold Coast game, 178. Two-meter Peter had the chance to steal the Suns' first win for the season last week, but he did the team thing instead and just chipped it to the top of the square. Yeah. Uh, obviously it takes a bit of blood to get up to that brain of two meter Pete's and he probably wouldn't have had that moment back but um, oh well it was a neither team really did. it deserved to be a draw if anything uh, meanwhile a team that's averaged 75 points for the last three seasons uh, kicked 141 they yeah. turned it on so I had a bet on a Sunday that they'd score, the total match points were under 177 because of how both teams play and yeah. what their history is like and then I couldn't believe the score. It was ridiculous. And how easily they were able to score against North Melbourne. They were woeful. Fremantle will win this. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Gold Coast lose Ainsworth probably and Swallow most likely. Maybe Sam Collins. So they lose two very, very good players. They probably haven't got much to come in with much experience. Maybe Will, so will Brody or something like that. Um, <laughs> I just... Yeah. That, they're actually all right against St Kilda, but it just... They're going to a different level with, you know, they have lots of Fife and, and um, those sorts of blokes running around. And probably Brandon Matera will probably come in for Ballantyne because Ballantyne was a bit sore. And their defence wasn't that good against St Kilda's tolls. Like, Memory was able to take marks. Yeah. Bruce was able to take marks. I don't think Jesse Hogan will come back. And Taverners, I think, might have hurt himself yeah. in the game I was watching it. So I they're, still... missing, they're missing key position players at either end. Walters was pretty good. The yeah. Hills were good. You know, like they've got some really good young players and you know Pierce down back was amazing and yeah I just think they're going to be way too good and even though it's at Gold Coast up there I still think uh, Freeman will get the job done not as probably as big as what if they would have done if uh, they were playing at, at home at home but again I reckon you could probably look at under 72 points or if you, for Gold Coast for Gold Coast yeah if they got unders overs on 70 around 70 points for Gold Coast I'll be going under this because I, I really don't see them scoring a hell of a lot a bit, you know, they struggled to score a bit last week against St Kilda and got 80 odd points when they play a decent team with a decent midfield and decent defence they're going to struggle a, lot, a bit like Carlton now do we see Fremantle racking up the total again Globetrotter style I highly doubt it so you reckon they're going to go a little bit backwards so you look at the uh, scoring brackets one of your favourite markets for last year uh, they're paying $3.60 for 91 to 105 and then they're paying four bucks for one hundred six to one twenty and one twenty one plus. I'd be looking at the weather and then uh, Sunday afternoon. It's not at, if it's at off the stadium. I said they'd probably blow them out of the water because they like West Coast. They play that ground really, really well. But at, at Metricon, I, I'd be probably more towards ninety one hundred five, maybe seventy six to ninety. It just depends on does Ross back it up. It's not in Ross's. This isn't Ross's style of footy, so you don't want to after one week. Go is this? I want to see two or three weeks of of new Ross, new Ross, Ross two point Yeah, a bit like Ken Inkley, I suppose. But yeah, because if Ken Inkley and Ross learn, then hopefully uh, when we get to the, the well, I think it's one of the last games we've got, there's another coach that needs to take some learning from Ross and uh, Kenny. All right. So the tip here is obviously Fremantle. Not many angles there. Uh, unless you want to take Gold Coast at under seventy odd checky bookmakers for those lines. On to our 50-50 picks, which there are plenty. We've got 
Battle of the Balds, Mark 7, I think it is now. Richmond are hosting Collingwood at the MCG. Richmond's paying $1.80. Collingwood's paying 2 bucks. The line here is 2 points. The over-under, 174 However, I'm not sure why Collingwood aren't $1.02. What no Rams, no Richmond, obviously. Isn't that how, it, isn't that how the storyline goes? I feel like you have an alternate take here, and I try to go with it in uh, some of my other media commitments throughout the week. And I got absolutely smashed for it. Apparently he's a general. He's the, the, the most important player in the defensive line. You can't replace a soldier with a soldier if he has stars. Or is it a cliche is that they're banning about on certain mainstream media outlets? Is he actually that good? And if he is that good, what does he do? Because he cannot, in my opinion... He can't defend one-on-one. One-on-one. So he can float around. Can't we replace a float around with anyone? Can't, yeah. can't Vorston come in and replace him to be the floating halfback? Yes, he's not as tall, but neither Shannon Hearn at West Coast. Yeah, I reckon Dylan Grimes could do it pretty well. But in all seriousness, like we've seen over the weekend, the, the, the halfbacks that generally get a lot of footy intercept marks, so your Howes and your McGovern from West Coast, with the 6-6-6, they have to play on someone. Yes. For the start of most centre bounces until... And it's very hard from the centre bounce. You can't play dirty football from the centre bounce... So you have to mark one-on-one. Yes. So you're going to get found out if you can't do it. And he did a couple of times against Carlton. And, he, and last year against Collingwood, he got exposed pretty heavily by a big Meso. I reckon Grimes could play that ranch role. Because other than Cox, there's no real other massive tours. Like, my check isn't big, and you got Jamie Elliott to go with those sorts of blokes. So I reckon it's a, as big an out as it everyone makes out to be. I'm, I've never been a big Rance fan, but that's just my personal opinion. I think, yeah, he's good at intercept marking and having the punch like crap. But as a one-on-one defender, he's no good. Uh, especially when it's sat on top of his head. But we all, we've all seen the videos. I'm actually more confident in this. Again, this worries me. And we're probably going to go 0-2 in the acts I'm saying this. I'm more confident being in Richmond this week than I was with us being Geelong last week. Why? I just think our midfield's better. Our ruck combination's better. Our defence is a lot better. So will Grundy, Lynch, bounce, Lynch, will Grundy bounce back? He'd want to. Because the Nang dominated. Yeah, the Nang was good last week, but he played against no one. Tom Lynch still needs another couple of games. He hasn't played footy for over 12 minutes. Still dobbed three goals. He had four touches. And kicked three goals. He won't get the... He, he's not playing... He won't be playing against Liam Jones or friggin' whoever else. Who will he playing. be playing against? You have Roughhead or, or, or Darcy Moore, who actually both... Well, Darcy Moore's all right. Roughhead. They both did well last week. Well, they did. They did well until our midfielders gave up easy space. One of Tom Hawkins... Tottenham Hawkins' goals was on still side bottom. The other one was because Grundy was out of position when he was meant to be filling the hole. Yeah. You go back and watch the video, our defenders did a good job on the Yeah, weekend. fair enough. So it's on the, on the midfield here, I reckon, which is probably fair enough, and on, on skill execution, you kind of was bad in both. How do they turn that midfield performance around against the likes of... Because I say that the, Collingwood is a get the ball on the outside, the handball to release, then go kick. You, you, you guys are surge the ball forward. And we're surge the ball forward. Yeah. And the surge is usually beaten Collingwood except for one game. Yeah. But we so why has that changed now? Because we plan a lot better for it. We're probably... I reckon we can execute it. I reckon overall, as a, as a team, player v player, we're probably in front. That's a very Adam Trelaw type of thing to say, which I... I, do, I kindly disagree with. I don't think I get much uh, hard-hitting analysis on this one, blokes, in the Battle of the Bolts. Do we have any punting angles here, though? Because I think our tips are obviously split. Yeah, I'm just going to tip Collingwood. No other angles? Going to be close, going to be tight, or Collingwood in a canter like last time in the uh, preliminary final? Oh, 
I don't care how we win it as long as we freaking win it. <laughs> there we go. There's the bias. So I had some different angles here. I've got Richmond to win the fourth. I just love this bet. It always seems to work. Worked last week as well. If Richmond win, they will win the fourth. It's almost a guarantee. That's paying a dollar eighty-four, so you get an extra four cents value there. I think it's going to be close. Both teams aren't exactly at one hundred percent yet. So there's either either team fifteen or less for two dollars sixty, which is huge value. Um, or you just take Richmond to win a dollar eighty. Pick one of those three. I think the Tigers get up, and uh, I think the pressure will be on Collingwood at Owen too. Maybe some buffalo drinking after making the granny last year. Who knows? Wry smile there from Baz. All right, Friday night. Another 50-50 game. Sydney are hosting Adelaide. Sydney are $1.73. Adelaide, $2.10. The line here is 4.5. The over-under, a very paltry 164. So do not expect a high-scoring battle at the SCG. My first question to you, super coach of the Amos. Mr. Longmire played Franklin, then explained that he played Franklin because he needed the run. Do you give games of AFL to players who are clearly underdone? That's like not even not even 50%. He needed the run. Yeah, That's like he needed to have a trial if he was a horse. Yeah. But we're going to put him in a, in a group one because he needed the run. To be fair, at 60% said Buddy's probably better than half their list anyway. Yeah, true. But he wasn't... I don't think he was there at 60, was he? No. Sydney will win this if... If... And there's been a bit of this in the media. Carl Mills, who was an elite TSC Cup midfielder. Yep. Isaac Heaney, who is elite, doesn't matter where he plays. And I know they probably want to play him four because they worry about kicking goals. He's, he can't jump on people's heads if he's in the midfield. But they've also got another midfielder who can quite easily go play forward and, and kick goals as well and that's, his name's Parker they've got Papley who's quick they've got Jones who are quick those four need to spend more time in the midfield mix and and spend predominant midfield time in there then you throw your Josh Kennedy and stuff in there and what they need to do with Josh Kennedy is a bit like what Geelong have done with Selwood just chuck him in a wing put him on the footy for a bit he's not a great kick no but he's a good team he's a good football brain he's hard at it he, he knows what to do he can direct his teammates and yeah, just get him in the game somehow because at the moment, you know, their midfield is one pace, one dimensional. They're trucking. Very, very. They're trucking. They're trucking. The only thing that might help in this week, it might be a bit wet in Sydney because the rain's uh, it's been raining a bit the last few weeks. That and the SCG ground looks like absolute bog fest. Yeah, well, they've got no other stadiums. So they're playing fifty-five games a week on it. Adelaide, they did win last year. Remember when Adelaide were under the pump? They came, went to Sydney, and they won a big game by three or four points there mm-hmm. uh, I just don't know like I said the, the, the defence and obviously losing Douglas it's two midfields almost going to be the same saying it's very inside slug it out uh, I think I still think Sydney have got a bit more X factor a bit more speed going through their, their mid not especially midfield, if they do if, especially if you say they do their mid forwards yeah. again if they they have to almost their list now replicates ports yeah. and if they commit to being that mid-forward X-factor team that Paul committed to being against Melbourne, yeah. then they beat Adelaide. Because I think even Adelaide and Melbourne kind of match up list, kind of list-wise as well. I think, I think like Oliver Florent needs to actually step up and be the player that, he need, that they want him to be and he should be. There's, you know, can Tom McCartan come back? If Tom McCartan can come back, then maybe he needs to come in as well. Ben Ronk's still out. Um, so, yeah, I think Ali is sort of 
just being a bit X factory and he's been floated around a lot of different places. Maybe he needs to go back as well just to help him show up down there. But yeah, I think Sydney are a better team on paper, a better team at SCG because they can get away with being a bit slower. Adelaide have got a mounting injury list. There's Paul C who's going to come back in. There's Antti Otten come back in. But they're all very same, same. They're not, they're not you know, real star um, backmen that can replace like Tom Doty is a very good player, but you, you obviously chuck a Kyle Hardigan or an Andy Otten in there, and they're, they're just big lumps or a, or a uh, Alex Keith. Like they're not, they're not ball winners. They're not blokes who are going to run off half back and deliver. They're, they're not those sorts of blokes. They're not in, big intercept markers either. So yeah, and Hugh Greenland's probably out for a bit longer. And I think the, the SCG ground suits Sydney in a way too that allows Buddy to be at his best. Yeah. So I think Buddy's. Sounds a bit weird, but he's either good on really small postage stamps like the SCG because when he wa- when he wants to roll onto the wing, the wing's actually still seventy yep. out from goal, so then he can just go. Oh, I'm going to get it here, turn and go for kick for goal. He doesn't get sucked way out onto the wing, being that center line that's 110 meters away. Yep. Then he can have the penetrating in kick, and then you have your small mosquito fleet, your mid forwards that can kick goals. And that's what usually happens at SCG yep. is that you see a Papley kick, pick, pick, um, jump up and kick two and a Heaney jump up and kick three and that kind of thing. And they did that last year to Essendon. They did that last year to teams that have slower, taller defenders. And re- on the reverse, the teams that have big talls or too many talls at the front, and you look at Adelaide's big three, well, they were slow and not very functional against Hawthorne last week. And that's, again, a similar type of defensive you also got Sam Reid who's been he's he alright last week and he's going to get better with more footy because again he's another bloke's missed a lot of footy you have him up there as well helping out uh, Buddy and you know, it looks it looks, like I said, it looks a lot stronger and I said last year that probably the Sydney needed Reid up was is the only bloke that could help Bubba help the Bubba and then you got Blakey who you know, for his first game was pretty handy as well kicking a couple of goals so I think we've come to a consensus there on Sydney definitely is there any uh, play action there though are you Confident of Sydney covering a line? Are you confident it's going to go unders? No, nah, I'll just leave it. I'd probably go under this, but I, a one sixty still seems a bit short, unless it's really raining. But I'd just leave that game well and truly alone. But thank the Sydney tip. Saturday night will be West Coast versus GWS at Optus Stadium. West Coast are a dollar forty one favourites. GWS two dollars seventy eight. The line here is fourteen. The over under one seventy two. And uh, by all reports, I think uh, West Coast spent a little bit too much time watching those grand final DVDs, and they would have spent a lot more time watching their uh, uh, game tape from their performance against the Brisbane Lions, who, to the Lions' credit, are a great football team by the all looks and accords, but West Coast didn't show up. On the converse, the Giants took advantage of a Destiny team that didn't show up. Can we draw anything from the four lines we saw from these two teams? West Coast struggled to score. They, get, they obviously get Josh Kennedy back, or they should get massive Josh in. Yeah. Did they? Tom Hickey had a decent preseason, decent JRT, but they probably think he was be better than what he was. Yeah, and they got smashed in like in the contest, so in the clearances, like by by plenty. Yeah. Double digit clearance loss to a young Brisbane team that has a good midfield, but they are still young. Yeah. And we did mention that Steph Martin is an, is an exceptional ruckman. He did, yes. So. Well, well, that was yeah. The result wasn't as unexpected as we thought. Because well, GWS obviously they don't, they don't play with a ruckman. No, I mean uh, I think Thomason played a bit of ruck. Obviously Dawson Simpson played and it was pretty good. Um, I think Josh Kelly comes back in. But the thing is, Josh Kelly every time he's missed, Taranto has played probably the best games of his life. So he needs to make sure he stays at that level. And obviously there's a spot there now because Dylan Shields in there. So 
Big ups to Toronto. He's very, very good. JWS just moved the footy so well. Obviously, it helps when you didn't have any pressure or any anything. I was like a training drill, but they moved the footy. Their kicking is elite. Having Toby Green and uh, Cameron up forward uh, with Himmelberg and stuff like that, they just they look a different team. And Optus Oval is, Optus Stadium is quick. Yeah. So that that kind of plays into JWS's favour here. I'm I'm actually I'm in tossing and turning because I from what I saw from GWS on Sunday and they pretty much did have a training drill. I'm almost tempted to, to tip them. Um, but my one one thing that keeps tipping me back to West Coast is that they are the premiers. They have had a poor week. It's, like, their, it's their first... It's their home opener. Yeah. Their home crowd will be unveiling the flag. Yeah. I, I, I'm too scared to not tip West Coast. Yeah. But yep. if you're a brave punter that likes value... The Giants, who just beat up on a apparently top four quality list last week, is paying two dollars seventy eight. So if you're behind, like I am in your tips, I'd be almost tipping GWS. Yeah, but it's too early to do that on your tips. Yeah, but you still got a long way to go. You got a long way to go, but this could be the this could be the one where GWS Jags one against the Premiers as well. Just the You just said that as well. You just said that. You know, it's they're they're a fast team. They're great, exceptional kicks. They drop their eyes. They've got plenty of axe vector. They win it in the middle. West Coast got smashed in the middle last week by a similar dynamic midfield. Probably still leaning towards West Coast, but I'll tell you what, it's it's definitely a fifty-fifty. For mine, it all goes on Kennedy. I reckon if Kennedy plays, he'll kick a bag. I just have that feeling. He's a player that is really great off a of, off the first start. Yeah. Last year, he kicked a massive bag in round one. So I'll be going there, and my so it is West Coast, but don't be afraid to tip GWS. Uh, and my action would be there. Look to see what uh, the goal markets are for a leading goal scorer. Get Josh Kennedy, and B if you, anything around four goals plus, three goals plus for Josh Kennedy. Take that. You should be getting around about three bucks usually. So I think that's your money play on that game. But do not be surprised if the Giants win. Saturday night, North dollar eighty versus Brisbane. $2.20 at Marvel Stadium. Brisbane should win this. They're not playing against anyone. Are they, Baz? Brisbane win. Two bucks for Brisbane to win. Brisbane win. That's, that's what I need to be said. It's that simple. You've just written the line to them. Oof. I know we put them in the cone, but the, the, can, the cone can be a bit tongue-in-cheek. There's no way you think that North bounce back here? I can't. From what I saw of North on the weekend, that is worrying. And I've been predicting this for nearly 12 months. You have been taking the drop-off of North. For a very long time. I think the drop-off is here. And how good are Brisbane? We warned people last episode about Brisbane making the finals after a one or two good performances early in the season with a young list that may drop off due to workloads at the end of the, end of the season. Do we buy in now? Do we cash in early and see the stocks rise and maybe sell, you know, round 20? I'd, like be, I'd be cashing in now because the first six to ten weeks they're going to be on fire like, while they've got very little in injuries. And blokes like uh, McCluggage and, and Barry are up and firing and playing some bloody good footy. I'd be, you know, they've still got probably Louis Taylor and Christensen that could come back in. So they've obviously got some, you know, pressure on spots. They're going to play some quick, fast footy. Eddie Had should suit their style. Come up against a very average north side, and I'd just be. I'd be very, very surprised. I can't believe Brisbane are two bucks. Yeah. My concern with the north side, other than we put them in the cone of silence for obvious reasons, is that Brad Scott said that that 82-point loss wasn't as bad as it looked. 
He came out and made an excuse straight after the presser. I reckon if you lose by any two points, you have to cop it on the chin and go, we were crap and we'll improve. But he kind of said, oh. We'll move on the next week. We'll move on the next week. Well, what happens when they get five by 60 points this week? Yeah. So definitely take Brisbane at two bucks. I'll be taking overs too. Yeah, taking the over 187. Yeah, oh, over 187. I seriously can see. In, I think you've gone the hate goggles now. No, no, I you've can gone the hate goggles back. If Fremantle could do it, Brisbane can do it. Brisbane are better than Fremantle. But Fremantle was at home, and Brisbane have to travel. It's a young side traveling. Oh, I just, just, I just think this could be a real statement game. All right, Baz has taken the 187 plus. I am definitely not going anywhere near that. Baz has got the hate goggles on. North are in the cone. Take Brisbane at two bucks. And that's the last you'll hear of the soon-to-be-called North Hobart Kangaroos. All right, quick segment here, the old cold pies and hot takes. Do you have a hot take for round two bats? I reckon you might have one about the Battle of the Balls here. <laughs> right, I reckon you might have a Richmond Collingwood hot take. No, no, no. Wusher sacked. Wusher sacked after round two. Yep. <laughs> that is, that's very spicy. I would love to see that happen. All right. That's, I love the guild there too. Mine's just a recap on my hot take from last week, which was of the top two currently, uh, at the end of round one, one of them will not make the finals. DDoS are on top, Freo are second. I don't think Freo make finals. I think this hot take is going to pay off. Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I don't think Freo make finals. Yeah. But I think they won the, um, last year. They did all right earlier as well, and then they dropped right off. Yeah, they won They won three of their first five last year. So they started well last year, then dropped right off as well. So, I'm, I'm so if you have stocks in Freo, sell them while they're still and worth just something. Just remember, I'm pretty sure Gold Coast were all the top three last year as well for the first three rounds. So just remember that. All right, everyone's favourite segment of the podcast. It's money-making time, Baz, our feature bets for round two. We've both drawn up a couple of multis to get things rolling. What have you found to multiply our winnings? All right, well, my multis for the, is going to be my roughie for the week. So I'm just going to take Melbourne to win under 177.5 in the Hawthorne Doggies game. And Gold Coast to score between 61 and 75 points against Freo. It's paying twelve dollars ninety eight. It's a very exotic, nerdy, almost uh, the bride bride confunctious yes. type uh, bet. It always used to pay off last season, so get on that. I reckon mine's a very simple three leg head to head multi: Richmond to win, Melbourne to win, Brisbane to win, paying nine dollars forty two, and the cheeking bragging rights in the Battle of the Boards. Now you got some value bets there too, Baz. Uh, my value bet will be Melbourne just head to head two dollars thirty four. I've gone back to the world of Melbourne. I don't know why I keep punishing myself with this, but I'm going back there again. My sure thing for round two will be Port Adelaide to win the fourth quarter by more than eight and a half points, paying $1.90. They'll be proving a point in the last quarter, finishing hard against a pretty soft Carlton side. And your sure thing, Baz? My sure thing is under 177 points in the Hawks. Uh, Doggies game, $1.85. Bank it. And it'll be me starting off the year with my first click because uh, last week we were both horrible. We were. If you think you can do any better than us, send us your picks and your tips to at SC underscore mag underscore Oz on Twitter 
or on our Facebook page, Supporting Chance Magazine. And if you feel like talking nuffy stuff, getting the X's and O's, or just giving a big old crappy team a big old blast after a couple of pints and pots down at the Yorkshire Hotel, we'll be there and feel free to say hi. Uh, good luck, Baz, for every game but Thursday night, because uh, I think Tigers will reign supreme and battle the balls again. That's all right. I'm just more worried about uh, getting the W in the other nine hours, mate. All right. Good to hear. <laughs> good to hear. <laughs>